Hello and welcome back to Sweet Tea and D&D. I'm your host, Zach. I'm pretending to be an experienced DM today with my co-hosts. <laughs> uh, this is Thomas. And I'm Adrian. And we're... we like D&D. We don't have much experience. We're here to learn. Yeah. We're here to learn and read. Let's read, guys. So, as we've talked about last episode, we've kind of restructured the episode where these guys are going to present a monster, and then I'm going to give you kind of a simple idea of how to use that monster in your own campaign, as well as some tips and a magic item. Just a tip. Nope, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. You've got to earn the tip. Not yet. All right. I got... I got. I was so excited about the tips. Mm. Oh, anyway, is that funny? It's sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I I prefer sensual. Oh God, which is not, which is not. <laughs> sensual pegging. Which mm. is. <laughs> mm. I didn't. Nope. Nope. You you brought that in. That was all you. How you want to apply your sensualness is is up to up to your discretion. That I guess. is up to everyone's individual discretion, right? And so we're gonna go ahead and just run any sort of sensual sense right off the bat with this monster. Um, you don't think this monster? So this sexy? week we're do. I I mean I'm not gonna yuck anybody's yum, but it's not my yum. <laughs> It's a spider, guys. It's, 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 so, this week we're doing the Edder Cap, um, and he's found on page 131 in the Monster Manual, and the, the Monster Manual describes him as a humanoid spider. Um, he does, he only has, he's got two legs and two arms, but he's kind of got, like, the spindly kind of, and the, just a face only a mother spider could love. Um, kind of, kind of this bulbous belly and and chest on him. That's not yeah. that's not muscled. It's just kind of like bloated looking. Yeah, I mean, like if you read the description, I kind of think of like Aragog from Harry Potter, but this is more like a weird spider head that also has like a beer belly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's and like Quasimodo a dad spider. Yeah, yep, and Quasimodo. He's got the hump. Yeah, he's, got he's the hump, got the and then he's got the 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 fangs and maybe some extra eyes up in there. He kind of has like a uniboob uh, at the so, top, right? Like it's a belly and then like one boob. He's got a beer belly, and then he has a smaller beer beer, beer belly as a chest. Uniboob. So, yeah, it's just. <laughs> mm, I'm mm, trying to paint a picture. Sensual. <laughs> sensual. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what color so, is this creature? Uh, the monster. Uh, they show him with a dark purple, and then like his 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 uh his soft underbelly is a is a lighter purple. You know, hmm. so purple, so purple, purple. Something and then he's got two claws, two 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 claws on his on his arms, and two claws on his feet. Yeah, he really doesn't like look that much like a spider. Yeah. The only thing that looks like a spider sure. is his mouth. He does yeah. not have eight legs, so yep, yep. I don't... I mean, I guess he wouldn't be humanoid if he did, but... Yeah. What does humanoid denote? Well, I'm gonna drag us off topic. 
Oh, does what it just mean the, it's uh, like human, roughly, roughly human shaped? Pretty much in this world, it's just bipedal. Okay, bipedal. Cases. That yeah. works. I mean, so he, what, he could have some additional sets of arms as long as he didn't walk on them. Yeah. What was it? The I can't remember the like philosopher who was like, ah, humans, they're featherless skinned creatures that walk on two legs and they walked brought in a plucked chicken and said behold man uh so i guess that's the basic we're going through well you know if all it requires to be a mammal is having hair and giving milk then coconuts are mammals right technically this is a really bad thing for biologists and they're going to scream at us about this (laughs) that legitimately is a concern yeah (laughs) Anyway, so where would you anyway, find these creatures? Back, <laughs> back back to this monster. So so these guys like living in the deep dark parts of the forest. Um and this uh, the monster manual describes them basically as spider shepherds. So they raise and tend to flocks of spiders. I don't know what a group of spiders, you know, you got murders of crows and flocks of sheep. Is it just Nightmares of spiders is a. I would call it an of arson of spiders because that's how I would get rid of them. Ah, <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, they they have. I mean, the monster manual does call it a flock of spider. Oh no, they don't. Yes, they do. They call it a flock of sheep. Um. Oh. So these guys. It's a clutter, by the way. <laughs> a clutter, oh. according to Google. According to Google, clutter. Is where you find a lot of spiders is in your clutter. Mm-mm. No, a clitoral of spiders. No, a no. clitoral of spiders. Okay. I know we're talking sensual here, but I heard clitoral of spiders. Was that real? <laughs> that's that's what he said. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next time, I, I'm bringing it back around. Sensual. Just the tip. Bringing it back around. Just the tip. All right, tell me, tell me more about this weird humanoid spider right now. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you more. How does it fuck? They're quiet. <laughs> they're quiet. <laughs> I don't know. It's I, I mean, they're not wearing. It's the the picture in the monster manual. He's not wearing clothes, but he's kind of got the whole Kindle vibe going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't see any genitalia <laughs> in this picture. Down there. Maybe so. it's sheathed. Maybe it's sheathed, or maybe this arm. It's just behind this arm. Uh, who knows? I feel like that's the biggest question we've I always guess. asked here at Sweet Tea and D&D, is how does the monster fuck? Right. I mean, it's important to know. I've read, you How know, do you get more of them? Well, you know, the our monster last week, you just have to summon more from the other plane. But this guy seems to be from the material plane. Thankfully, I haven't seen him on my material plane. That's good. That's good. Um, so the Edercap is desi- uh, is described as a as a quiet killer. He likes to if you if you wander into his lair in the deep dark forest, he'll just follow you around, and and they like to set up a lot of traps. So you know he'll follow you around and make sure the traps get you. And if the traps don't get you, he'll either bite you for poison. He'll he'll poison you with a bite. 
or he'll spin some webs and 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 choke you out with his webs. Seems to be kind of how he likes to go. Um, it seems their main food source may be uh, Sylvans and Fay. Uh, they're 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 enemies of of those guys because they. While they live in the forest, this says it's, it does not live in harmony with nature. It just kind of takes over the entire forest. It spins webs everywhere. It, um, I, I don't know, it breeds these, these spiders that it shepherds over. It's not clear where the spiders come from. No. But Maybe it, they just come from normal places like spiders come from. Right. But apparently where the, the ether cap is so, hmm? Spiders come, Spiders from, the come from the ether or hell, whichever portal they open. Egg sacs. Egg sacs. And I think I killed one of these in a bathtub one time. It was a really big spider. It was a big, big spider with yep. a large egg sac underneath it, and I dropped a boot on top of it in the shower. And of course, you know, I'd gotten naked and was about to step into the shower when I saw this thing and let out a manly roar. Um, As the egg sac exploded and baby spiders went everywhere. Everywhere. I was standing on the toilet. <laughs> was the water on already, though? No. no. That was our mistake. That was the mistake. Step it came one, on turn the water on, send them on a cruise. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we drowned a bunch of baby spiders. Mass spider genocide that night. I've seen more since, so we didn't we didn't accomplish our mission. Um, but yeah, so apparently these guys just eat sprites and pixies. They just kind of catch them in the web like flies, and we'll just eat them all up. Um, and so uh, this the the monster manual indicates that like some fay might request help. From travelers coming through to help them get rid of the Edder Cap because uh, they they don't seem capable of doing it. Um, so on to kind of the the stat block for this guy. Um, he's he's listed as a medium monstros- monstrosity, and he's neutral evil. Um, they have a natural armor class of thirteen, and hit points of eight d eight plus eight. Um, his speed is 30 feet, and he can climb for 30 feet. He has a, um, strength of 14, a dex of 15, a con of 13, an intelligence of 7, a wisdom of 12, and a charisma of 8. So uh, not super charismatic, then. Not, not, or intelligent. He's actually, wor- he's actually more charismatic than he is intelligent. Okay. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so he's Aren't we real, he's real, real dumb, real dumb, real dumb. Um, his skills: he's got a plus three per, to perception, a plus four to stealth, and a plus three to survival. He's got dark vision for sixty feet and passive perception of thirteen. He doesn't speak any languages. He's real dumb. He, yeah, I guess with a with an intelligence of negative two, you don't you don't learn too many languages, maybe. And he, but he's only a challenge rating of two. Um, he has spider climb, which means he can climb on any surface and he doesn't have to make any check for it. Uh, web sense, which is when he's in contact with a web, 
he can he can pick up on any uh uh any creature that's in contact with the same web he knows the exact location of that creature and then he's a web walker he doesn't have any movement restrictions caused by webbing he he kind of likes it there like a spider like a spider yep um for his actions he can have a multi attack where he makes two attacks one with a bite and one with his claws um, the bite is a melee attack, which is plus four to hit and has a reach of five feet against one creature. He's, uh, on a hit, he gets 1d8 plus two piercing damage, plus 1d8 poison damage. Uh, the target must succeed on a DC 11 constitution saving throw or be poisoned for one minute. Uh, the poison creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each turn and ends the effect if they succeed. Uh, with the claw attack, it's plus four to hit. It's a reach of five feet on one target. And on a hit, he does 2d4 plus two slashing damage. Um, he also has a ranged weapon, at weapon attack called the web. Uh, it's a plus four to hit and a range of 30 slash 60 feet. Now, Mr. DM Expert, you're going to have to enlighten me on why it's 30 slash 60 feet. So 30 slash 60 feet for any ranged attack will tell you kind of its sweet spot for which it can fire. If a creature is within 5 feet of another when it uses a ranged attack, it takes it at disadvantage. This creature's sweet spot is within 30 feet, and then once you exceed 60 feet, it's a disadvantage on that roll. Okay, cool. That makes sense. It's just not indicated by the text. <laughs> no, um, that's how they write it one weapon. Yeah, and I'm sure there's instructions on how to read that somewhere in this book, but I have not read the instructions. <laughs> so my favorite part about the spider, or the editor cap, is the web garrote variant, which is where some editor cats like to strangle their prey using a garrote that they fashioned from webbing. So they just take their web and they wrap it around your neck and they strangle you. I knew we'd get to the sensual part at some point. <laughs> Mm, don't kink shame um, the other cat. <laughs> oh no, shame. So um, this is a this is like an extra little melee attack that you can give this variant, where it can uh, one medium or small creature uh, gets advantage on the attack roll. Like, um, so it's plus four to hit, reach of five feet, one medium or small creature against which the editor cap has advantage on the attack roll. So does that mean it has to already have advantage, or does it just mean that it gets advantage on this attack? So it has to have attack, or, uh, it has to have advantage to do it, which in this case it would gain advantage if it was stealthing on something, or the creature was restrained. Or so. prone, or... Prone, yes, it would have advantage if it was prone and it was on the ground. Yeah, it would also get that. But it has to have the Which ability I guess to if it was stuck prone. in a... Yeah, I guess if it was already stuck in a web, though, would that be a situation where it has attack to just garrote it and strangle it? Yes, it does. So it's essentially a grapple. So until this grapple ends, the target can't breathe, and the editor cap has advantage on attack rolls against it. How long can you go without breathing if you're a player? Players are a little overpowered. Is, is I like believe mechanics? the rule for breathing is con modifier, 
multiplied by minutes. So if you have oh, a con wow. of one okay. plus one, you have one minute that you can hold your breath. So that's like ten rounds. It's a while. Yeah, you can do it for quite a bit. But but one minute makes sense of holding your breath. That's true. Like in reality, yeah, one minute's a long. Like I could hold. But my a creature breath with a minute, con probably. of plus four has a four minute breath yeah. hold. That's a long ass time. Yeah, I got a lot of constitution. Yeah, yeah, but that's... I don't know. People can't hold their breath that long. I mean, probably some people can't. But they can survive going that long without breathing. That's true. Okay, yeah. well, and then they don't die, I guess. <laughs> so that's the editor cap description. How, how, right. would you, how would you engage this bad boy? So I want to mention uh, the web recharge is a five or six. Uh, so that is where they have the opportunity to spit a web out of their body. Uh, the recharge being a D6 die that you roll, and whether you have a five or six, it automatically recharges that. Think of it when it's out of combat, that is an action. So as long as it's re-rolled, it can just make a buttload of webs whenever it wants. Um, one thing to note uh, so about that is... it can prepare? Yes, it can prepare. So... The way I would kind of use this is, we'll get into the web, we'll get into the growth in a second, but you kind of want to set your situation up, whether the party's moving through a forest or they've asked, someone has asked for help, whether that's a fey creature or a dryad or something that managed to escape and get help. The editor cap is going to take you from this nice lush green forest that you're in, and as you move more into its domain, where it would probably like the darkness because it can hide better in there, it might you might see it kind of take its webbing and pull the canopy closer together and bind it up where you have limited light. So as a DM, you would kind of use this as like, oh, you're in dark vision now. You don't know what's going on. Creatures who don't have dark vision can't see. If you light a torch, you're going to light the web up, and then you're going to have a problem, because then you've just set the forest on fire you are asked to protect. So, this creature, though it has a low challenge rating, depending on what type of spiders you throw at it, will also give it a little more hardiness to it. So when you're building your encounter, build some spiders into it. I can see that kind of using it to defend its home. But what I would see is how I would build this lair is the Edder Cap has essentially walked to the center of the forest, the darkest parts that it can create, and kind of set up its home there, where it just goes down and grabs food off of its webs that it captured. The entire forest is covered in webs, and personally, I would have it where all of those webs are connected. So as long as they are in that contact way he with can one tell. another... He knows as soon as you're in there. Yep, so if the creature is touching a web, so the way I see it, you see how it has that long claws that they have? I could see it as like as a creature would to approach this or something. The creature has its finger with a single thread wrapped around it running to its network of webs. And as soon as it sees a little twitch, it knows someone has entered its forest. And it knows exactly where they are. So once it knows you're in the forest, it's going to start making its way to you. In the darkness, it gains advantage and can start choking you. The thing you see on here for choking is until the grapple ends, the target can't breathe, and the editor cap has advantage on attack rolls against it. So creatures that can't breathe can't speak, and they can't cast spells that require a vocal component. Mm. Ah. So this creature could start taking out party members, and 
I see this creature as kind of a horror-type themed one. It looks terrifying. There are many other terrifying things, but this should start picking off party members in the dark of the forest, taking out casters and those who are stronger. So it doesn't have the greatest intelligence, but it's all right with wisdom, and I don't see it going for the heavy hitter first. I see it taking out the party's caster or those on the outside of the perimeter of the group. And I can see it also leaving traps to trap people as they walk through the forest. Maybe someone gets stuck and their movement is half. Maybe some people can move faster than others. They get ahead of the party. But this thing is going to try to take them out and kill them as quickly as possible. The party has a decision to make, though, in this encounter. The easiest thing to remove all of their hazards is to light everything on fire. These webs that it produces are vulnerable to fire damage. They have an AC of 10 and an HP of 5. It spreads. You could light this entire forest up very quickly if it's kind of netted the entire area. So the way I would use this is any elven creature would probably be the target for it because it does not like the Fae. Uh, it's going to target those characters first if it can. Uh, it's going to try to pull them from the group with a garrote. Uh, and it can also use its claws. Clearly, it could just drop the groat or not hold it anymore uh, to attack. And then as it's choking the victim, it has the ability to use a web recharge while it's holding a creature. So it might choke one and then bind another one in webs. So the goal is to take your caster, choke them, and for the webs, you should try to pin someone else down. That strength check isn't very high. The strength to break the web is only 11. However... Well, and and so it mentions that um, the forest would that has edder caps in it would also have giant spiders, giant insects, and other sinister predators. Uh, you think you'd mm -hmm. probably mix a few of those other things in for people to deal with? Yeah, you should be playing creepy music and throwing spiders all over this place. Maybe they enter the woods if they're not prepared for what's in it throw some spiders at them, and have it look as if the spiders have kind of contained this area. You can surprise them with the adder cap because maybe they think it's just a spider's nest versus something else. Mm -hmm. I would say in the center it would probably have like a single strand that it kind of connects to its network, but otherwise there'd be a little bit of space so that if something does catch it on fire, it's not necessarily burned by all of that. Um, as for the enemies of Fae, I think that could be your draw-in, that some of the creatures are disappearing, uh, some of these people aren't showing up to where they're supposed to be, a dryad asks for help. There's an easy hook with that, is where someone went into the forest and they didn't come out, or an infestation of spiders has come in and we don't know what to do with it. And that's where you have to do it. But a web walker can be crawling above you, they could make noise, they could do a ton of stuff where you won't see them because they're above you. And even then, the creature could also run above you and start pinning people with spider webs away from your melee range. Because it has a 30 to 60 foot range on that, so it can start pinning you from the tree canopy and then going in to choke you when one of them gets stuck. Yeah, so, I mean, the draw to this is having a party that would go, oh, we're going to help. And if your party doesn't care about helping the fae, then they might pass your encounter on by, but otherwise... I mean, you can offer money. Yeah. Yeah. There's always rewards. You can offer a reward, you can offer a gift from the fake creatures, although they're kind of rude in most cases if you read D&D &D lore. But yeah, there's, there's always something to gain from helping someone. Don't railroad your players. 
But if they don't want to deal with it, carry on to the next location. And maybe the if they say, like, oh, only this area has been taken over in the three days that I've been out of the woods, then maybe they start encroaching on the territory they're taking. Uh, by railroading, you can always try to drive them back to it later. Mainly, you just don't want to be like, you're doing this, welcome to the party type stuff. So, I think it was a very interesting creature. I think you've got a good chance to really mess with them. Now, it is a CR2, and it doesn't have a lot of HP, so you have to play this one stealthy if you're going to use a lot of spiders and a lot of one inner tap, enter tap. Well, and if my experience as being a rogue is any uh, indication, I'm, I'm not great at stealth. You should be better at stealth. You're a rogue. I was, so, no, I'm not great at playing stealth. Ah, gotcha. So, for huh. reference, yeah, no, he single can't play spiders, a rogue and just run in. What let's was that? see. So, single level, like tiny spiders, have the ability to bite and poison as well. Uh, they just they did poison Ooh. damage. They don't actually physically. Uh, poison you. They also have spider climb, web sense, and web walk. I would probably throw in more relations to giant spiders. So let me get a reference yes. for that for those who are listening. So standard spiders page, are going to be on page, page 328. 328. Giant spiders are on page 328. Yeah. yeah. So throw in a giant spider and. Um, You've got similar stats. They have bite, web, and uh, as well. So they are essentially doing the same thing as the enter tap, and you can start restraining your party more. But they actually have eight legs. So they do. They are not they do humanoid. Have eight legs. They are not bipedal. So yeah, wrap up your party in spiders. Maybe um, for fun, if you're starting a game out and you're like low level characters. You can also use this to introduce a party member. So maybe they went in earlier and their party had already been killed. They're looking for another one. They're wrapped up in a cocoon, or not a cocoon, it's not a butterfly, in a, a web uh, ball, and you end up cutting them out and saving them. And so that's one way to introduce a character if you're playing that way, and you're trying to put your party together in an early adventure. Go for it. They're CR2. Maybe don't put so many spiders in. I Just mean... the little ones. It does. It does say that the giant spider lair may be festooned with web cocoons, so you're not off. <laughs> nope. You can throw those in there. The editor cap would spin it too if it was holding food for later. Maybe save a few pixies. Cool. There are multiple hooks you can do in there to see. Uh, you might make it a little darker, and the creature will automatically kill fake creatures as soon as it captures them. Uh, for non-fake creatures, like something. Human, more humanoid, less fey, it might hold off for a larger meal later. What magic item do y'all have? Well, are we... Yeah, I was going to ask you, are we ready right. to move on to I'm, magic I'm item? I'm bringing the magic item this week. Um, so the magic item I have picked is the Belt of Dwarven Kind, which I picked because it's funny. Um, I... Believe this is an official item in the Dungeon Master's Guide, though I am looking at it on ADD.org, which uh, looks super helpful if you're trying to plan encounters and don't have all of the uh, official official stuff at, at hand. Um, this is a wondrous item, and it is rare and requires attunement. So this is a belt. It looks 
very much like a wrestler's belt, which is why one of the reasons I like it. It's a just like a big, thick belt with a nice buckle of a dwarf face on it, um, which I think is fun. I'd like like to give it as a reward after some sort of like comp- combat competition or something like that. I think it'd make a fun uh, reward for that sort of thing. Um, it gives you a constitution score increase by two, um, up to a maximum of 20. It gives you advantage on charisma when you interact with dwarves. In addition, the best part of this belt, when you are tuned to the belt, each day you have a 50% chance at dawn of growing a full beard. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this belt lets you grow a beard. If you are capable of growing a beard, I guess there are certain... Maybe certain races that aren't capable of growing beards. Same. Uh, <laughs> um, if you already have a beard, it just gets visibly thicker when you wear it. Um, if you aren't a dwarf and you get this belt, it also gives you advantage on saving throws against poison and resistance to poison damage. You get dark vision out to 60 feet and you can speak, read, and write dwarfish. So it makes you... Gives you all those sort of dwarf stats without actually being a dwarf, which is nice. That's actually really nice. I, I can see like a gnome or a halfling getting really excited to be a belt of dwarven kind to try to blend in with society oh, yeah. type things. Uh, for reference, that is on page 155 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. If you want to see the official source for it. Although Google is much faster. So... Yes. And cheaper. I, I like the idea <laughs> of using that as kind of like a magic item reward for like a wrestling competition in like a dwarven kingdom. I could easily see that as something the party would definitely be like, I get a belt? Heck yeah. I'm the wrestle champion and just like walking through the town just trying to mess with people. I would love it. And I think the previous owner of the belt oh, yeah. has to be a dwarf that you have to fight. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, this is this is like prime, like, let's drag your barbarian into a wrestling competition with a dwarf or something and yeah you get a fancy belt and it looks like a wrestling belt which i love i feel like it would be super useful with you when you have uh what was it advantage when you're talking to dwarves what yeah. was what was that yes you get advantage on charisma charisma i yes. feel like if it I would love to be able to have this belt and then walk into like a dwarven market if we're in in their realm or whatever and be able to be like, mm, I'm going to get some good deals on some stuff here. Yes. Well, now you're the dwarven champion of whatever wrestling competition this city has and everyone respects you. I think there should also be a chance so that sense. any dwarf can challenge you for the belt if they see it. Yes. Ooh, Ooh that's fun. Just a constant possibility that you're going to get your ass handed by a dwarf by a yeah. dwarf. i think that's great or or by your your dwarven arch rival or something okay so it gives you the be it, it lets you grow a beard if, if you're you, capable if you're yeah if you're <laughs> capable if you lose it does the beard go away just like you wake up the next morning and you're like oh i've had laser hair removal and it's gone i would say yes because that's I mean, more fun i don't know yeah. yeah, I mean, that's not really how hair works, but it's a magical item, so... That's I would say works. if it was a specific yeah. thickness and it was making it 50% better, there was a chance to make it fuller and thicker every day, I would say it would go back to its original state after you lose the belt. But if you did not yeah. have a beard, it just falls off. 
it's kind of the opposite of the of the Santa Claus effect. Like you wake up one morning and it sucks it all back up into your face, and you're like, "Somebody's stolen my there we belt." Go. That would have been a hilarious way to also present that as someone stole your belt at night. Your beard's missing. My belt. <laughs> Where'd it go? Oh, that's great. I mean, you also, like, I it de- this happens at dawn, so it seems like you probably have to, like, sleep in this giant wrestling belt that you've become attuned to. I don't know if we deal with the fact that, like, characters don't necessarily sleep in their armor, and <laughs> that's a lot for a player to manage, but it's like, oh, you weren't, you weren't sleeping in your plate mail, were you? Yeah, you don't have this armor class anymore. So that's actually a great player question, or a DM tip, if you don't have a specific one ready. Um, so in the player's handbook, there's actually a table for donning and doffing armor because they've thought about this. And so, (laughs) for example, I'm going to look at it. It should be in chapter seven. I don't remember. No, I'm wrong. Where is it? Equipment should be in there. Let me see here real quick. Oh, I'm in the wizard. Not even close. Playing the game. How come I haven't used one of these in a while? Because most of the time I just like um, use the internet. Well, you got all your you got your all your fancy internet. I have all my fancy now. internet tools. They're great. Um, let me see. I do know exactly this fancy section. Fancy internet tools are great. All right. Okay. Donning and doffing armor. So this rule isn't particularly handy as a DM. If you are trying to catch the party off guard, this is a great rule for party members that um, are constantly insisting that they're the bard and their job is to carouse their ass and or junk off. Uh, It's also good for party member players who are sleeping and they haven't had a good surprise at night. This is sounding kind of mean coming as a DM, but this is a great way to trick your (laughs) partner, not trick your party, but catch them off guard. No one is always ready for adventure unless they say they sleep. But there are downsides to doing that. So, if you have light armor, medium, heavy, and a shield. So a shield will cover that first. It takes an action to don and doff it. That's it. You just grab it and you're good to go. For light armor, it takes one minute to put it on and one minute to take it off. Medium armor, five minutes to put on, one minute to take off. Heavy armor. So if you're in combat, that's a lot of You are not putting your armor on in combat. It is not possible because you would. The minimum is ten rounds to put your armor on. Ooh. Heavy armor takes ten minutes to put on. So that's not really going to be feasible, and it takes five minutes to take off. So this is something to use with your characters. They might say, "Okay," and this is how you play it off. This is the best way to do it when you start combat after they're taking a night of rest, because I believe the book says if you are. Um, uh, you benefit only from the AC if you take the full time to don it. This is the time it takes to doff something from the table. If you have help removing armor, reduce the time by half. So it does take, you can half it by taking it off. It does not say you can half it by putting it back on. See, that's not my experience with somebody helping me get undressed. It doesn't go fast enough. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) So, um, now, the challenge would be, though, is once you start attacking these characters that are not wearing armor, you can just say kind of a lower number. And they're like, hey, does a 13 hit? And they're going to be like, no, my AC is 15. I'm like, 
<laughs> it's 10 plus your dexterity right now. That's it. So if they have a dexterity of 2, they have an IC of 12. So this is where you can actually scare the party to show them that they are extremely unprepared without their armor on. And it's a good way to kind of add a little role play to it. So maybe they are talking about how they're getting dressed in the morning now or how they're taking their armor off or whatever. It's also fun to mess with players who are constantly carousing just to be like, ah. So, so you literally catch them with their literally. pants down. Yes. And it is impossible <laughs> to put it all on at the same time. Now remember also, if there are higher level players and they have magical gear as well, all those bonuses go away as well. Unless they're on. So if you have a special magical armor set that gives you protection of plus one, that's off too. So, it's a mess. It can really throw your players off, and it's the best point where you see their faces like, no, your armor is the fastest in 18. You're not in full plate. Your armor class is 11. <laughs> that's a mm, that's a rude Literally, it's the best right way there. to wake in a party. Uh, so uh, that's a good player's yeah. tip to kind of. I would use this as a way to get encouraged role playing. It can be fun at lower levels, and if you bring it back when they're higher levels, and you still show them like, "Hey, I'm still God here." Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't get yeah. too cocky, guys. So and yeah, give them a chance to role play that out. How they're going to try to do their best and kind of work together when most of them are dressed. So I've got a quick question back on our item mm-hmm. that we talked about. Um, it said it it needed attunement. <laughs> what does What is that? What does that involve? How do you get attuned with your so, item? So attunement is a rule in D&D to prevent you from getting too overpowered with magic items. So as a player, you can only attune to three items at a time, with the exception of the artificer. That's a whole other thing. Read its stats. But when you are an, when you are a normal player, you can attune three magic items, and they can't occupy the same slot. So you can't have two attuned belts. You can only have one belt attuned in that slot. So you can. There's multiple slots based off of what your armor. You have your head, your neck, your hands, your waist, capes, whatever. If you're already wearing something there you can't attune something in its place. Let's say the party is all wearing three magic items already that they are attuned to. They have to replace one to wear something different. Gotcha. But they can still have that item with them. They're just not... It's not, it's being, not being used. used. It can't yeah. be used. So you'll see a lot of players that when a new item has come in that requires attunement, a lot of magic items just get shuffled around in the party who can so they can use specific ones and the others go to somebody else. Or you might see somebody just sell it off if it's not beneficial for the party anymore. Or they're too overpowered compared to that low-level item. Ah. Uh-huh. Makes cool. sense. Use it to barter later. Yep, you can sell it off. Um, Making items is a whole thing. There's chapters or text on that in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. But selling it will normally get you some money back into the party's pocket. Nice. Oh, yeah, we're good. I think at this point, welcome back to Sweet Tea and D&D. If you found us, that's awesome. You got this far to the end of the episode. You can check us out on your podcatcher of choice, as well as our social medias of Instagram and Twitter. Uh, any other questions, any plugs, anything you guys want to say? 
No, I think thanks for uh, uh, letting us bring down the the average uh, knowledge base on this podcast uh, just a bit. Yeah, and letting us learn with everybody yeah, else. Sounds good. All right, guys, say goodbye. Bye. Bye.